Hey everybody, Eric here. Welcome to Season 7. This will be the second time that we're continuing a story from a past season, but this time it's a little bit different. If you haven't listened to Season 2 of our podcast, a season called Highway to Hell, where we played the first part of the Delta Green campaign, Future Perfect, you should go back now and listen to that season first. No, seriously, go now. Go listen. Okay, if you really want to start here, you can, but skip ahead about 30 seconds so I don't spoil anything for you. In Season 2, three agents, Ben McKissick, Portia Marks, and Sonny Lau, went to Hellbend, California to investigate a series of unexplained murders that had happened there. What they found were some strange stories about the founder of Hunt Electrodynamics, who set up the headquarters for his company in Hellbend, along with a strange portal underneath the abandoned plant, and, oh yeah, a dinosaur roaming the desert that was responsible for the murders. Only Sonny managed to escape the trip to Hellbend alive, and so he'll be the only agent from that season returning. Sonny is of course played by Nick Ong, while our two new agents, Dr. Eleanor Freeman and Father Seamus O'Keefe, will be played by Nature of My Game veteran Emily Townsend and Nature of My Game newbie Dan Foss, respectively. Thanks as always to these three amazing players. If not for them, I'd just be talking to myself, and I know better than anyone that no one wants that. As I already mentioned, this season we're playing part two of Future Perfect, a campaign for Delta Green written by Dennis Detwiller. You all know how I feel about Delta Green by now, but I think you'll find that this season was different than any other DG season we've played so far. I also can't forget to thank Jean-Luc Bouchard, who composed and produced our intro music, and my wife Kelsey Manning for all her work on our podcast cover art, design, and social media. For those who would like to learn more about the Nature of My Game podcast, you can find us at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or at nomgpodcast.com. And if you want to support us even more, you can subscribe to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash nomgpodcast. And now, with no more ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the first episode of Season 7, Fortunate Son. Grand Rapids, Michigan, September 4th, 2016. Abe Manon slumped back in his recliner and breathed a heavy sigh, though his mind was racing far more than his posture showed. He'd just gotten off the phone with James, the director, that is. He'd always think of the man by the name he knew him by first, and Abe knew he had to act quickly. Over the years, he'd had many calls just like that one. The director would tell him to get a team assembled, and he'd get in contact with one of his case officers to provide the details. But few of those calls had had the tone of this one. When you worked for the program, even situations that might cause the goddamn President of the United States to hyperventilate seemed like just another day at the office. But one thing made the director more nervous than anything else. Another Innsmouth. And when the director was nervous, the program sprung into action. Well, the director was nervous now, and so Abe had to act. He called up one of his case officers. Kim? Yeah, it's Ops. I need you to get a team together. Another Innsmouth? Was it possible? The event that had single-handedly created the program, or at least its earliest iteration, saw an entire town corrupted by... well, corrupted by something. But was it really possible for another Innsmouth to be sitting out in plain sight? And in the middle of Ohio? You want to call Lau back in? Are you sure he's up for it? Okay, fine, that's your call. It might be worth calling on a few others who know how to keep a low profile. And Kim? Keep an eye on this one for me. The director's taken a special interest. He wants to make sure this isn't another puzzle box. As Abe listened to his case officer's response, he could hear the concern in her voice. He wouldn't have mentioned it if he didn't have to, but making sure his people knew the seriousness of the situation was the least he could do. He had a responsibility to take care of them. Honestly, more and more these days, with the director's mental state what it was, Abe felt like he had a responsibility to take care of everyone. The whole damned world.
Our story starts around 7 p.m. on Monday, September 5th, 2016, Labor Day, and we're at a minor league baseball game. There are slightly more fans here than normal given the holiday, but still most of the seats are empty. On the scoreboard, a sign reads, Persons Field, home of the Chester Serpents. This is rookie ball, professional, but even a step below single A, so the draw for most of the fans here isn't the baseball. It's just a chance to get out of the house, maybe drink a few beers, and enjoy the fireworks display after the game. But for four particular people, the draw of the game is something else. An inconspicuous place to talk away from prying eyes and listening ears. They're all sitting in the outfield stands, well away from anyone else. One of those people is someone listeners might recognize. Nick, tell us a little bit about what Sonny Lau looks like as he sits at the baseball game. Sonny is in from out of town, uh, so you know he's maybe he's traveling a bit light. He's got some jeans, uh, I'd say just a t-shirt and bomber jacket, nice little inconspicuous baseball cap, got his ponytail tucked through the back there, and, and yeah, he's, he's taking in the game, got a, got a bag of peanuts, pretending that he's a <laughs> Love big serpent fan. Love it. Is he, is it, a, did he buy a Chester Serpent's hat there, or did he, did he bring a different hat? No, I think we're, I think he brought his own hat. Uh, <laughs> my, my first thought was just, a. Uh, uh, just a baseball hat. It just like has a baseball on it. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not a big sports guy. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll we'll say he's um he's coming in from San Diego. We'll say he has a he's got an Angels hat on. I like it. I like it. Did he fly in this morning from San Diego? Yeah, flew in this morning, and uh, we're we're there for the uh, the the uh, afternoon evening game. That, that's yeah, it's seven o'clock. So it's a, yeah, it's an evening okay. game. Plenty of time. Okay, cool, and um. Was there anything that he had to take care of when he was leaving San Diego personally, professionally? Did he reach out to his employer to let them know he was traveling or did he just, you know, he, because he mostly works remotely, did he just kind of leave it alone? Yeah, he, working remote, uh, I don't, he didn't feel the need to sound any alarms with the office. So he's brought his gear with him uh, to be able to do any tasks that might come in and then just had to just had to get Duke put up, uh, you know, has them over at the neighbor's. Just ask them to to look after him for for the week uh, weekend maybe and yeah I mean his the judo studio's been uh, been closed for for a little bit so no no need to check in over there. Gotcha. Cool. Um, also in the group is Dr. Eleanor Freeman. Uh, Emily, what does Ellie Freeman look like? Yeah, so she is um, a white lady in her mid thirties. She. Um, Looks like she used to play volleyball in high school is kind of how I think about her. Like she's tall and she's sturdy and like she doesn't look super athletic, but because she was told ball game, she dug out an old baseball cap for the Mobile Bay Bears. Which oh, is the a, Mobile Bay Bears. Oh, I love the Bay Bears. We all know them well. <laughs> they tragically uh, no longer extant minor league team from back where she's from. Yeah, she is also wearing a shirt which absolutely exists. Uh, says science it's in my jeans um, with a little <laughs> helix on it she's very cool and jean she's wearing like her old duck mertens trying to look super cash she did however make one interesting purchase which was a pair of mirrored sunglasses so that she could look really cool and she's Secret sitting there yeah. yeah thinking wow this was overkill this this was too <laughs> much i i shouldn't have done this but i'm committed now um, so she's trying very hard to just look cool and like this is how she always looks. It's fine. Amazing. 
Um, she teaching one, two classes at Case Western this semester, and did she get someone to cover those? Yes, that is when she has been spending a lot of time kind of frantically emailing. She emailed all of her TAs to kind of let them know, hi, friends, this is where my notes are for the classes that I'm going to be missing. I have to go out of town. Um, she emailed all of her advisees telling them, hi, I'm going to have to meet our meetings this week or miss our meetings for this week. Please, you know, we'll reschedule as soon as I get back. And she sent out one of those general big emails to all of her students being like, hello, everyone, your TAs will be covering your classes, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and is pretty sure that that's all she needs to do. It's kind of she doesn't actually do this very often. And so she can't remember if she's supposed to tell like the department admin secretary or not. But for right now, she's pretty sure it's OK. <laughs> so <Got> it. <laughs> I think those emails sent she's she's feeling like she's got it covered. Gotcha. And anything, is she working on anything at the lab at the moment that she needs to have somebody take care of or is, is not That's yet? That's a good question. I don't think so. I think it's probably like at this point in the semester, not really. Okay. We're good. Cool. Sounds good. Um, and finally, Dan, can you tell us a little bit about Father Seamus O'Keefe as he sits down at the baseball game? Yeah. So uh, Father Seamus O'Keefe, his full, full name, Father Seamus O'Keefe, uh, SJ, uh, are the initials after his name standing for the Society of Jesus. Um, so Father Seamus is a priest in the Society of Jesus, otherwise known as uh, as the Jesuits. Um, he does not much enjoy being called father or going by father. So he prefers just Seamus um, or Professor O'Keefe. Uh, he is a professor of psychology at uh, Xavier University, not far from from where where the game is is taking place. Um, he he doesn't, however, really look like he's dressed for a baseball game. He he came right from campus, so he's wearing a tweed jacket uh, with the elbow patches. <laughs> yes, um, gotta have him. Uh, you know, Oxford shirt slacks. Um, he's got his kind of like leather messenger bag with, uh, you know, with maybe some papers to, to grade during the game while he waits for for instructions or for for a meeting. He's uh he's 56 years old. He's tall, um, kind of lanky. He's built like a distance runner. Uh, white guy of Irish and Argentinian descent. So um, you know, kind of, kind of nondescript guy um, that you wouldn't think twice about, but just. Tall, somewhat like looks like he maybe used to be handsome before he developed some bags under his eyes and um, and some wrinkles and some graying temples. But um, that's that's Seamus. Awesome. And is he teaching classes this semester? He is. He has kind of a lighter load. Um, he's later in his career, so um, there's a little bit, I think, less of the the stress that that Ellie describes uh, of like having to kind of scramble to get the TAs to cover the classes. He's uh, he's tenured. So he, oh, he worries. Uh, <laughs> don't tell uh, Ellie. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, not that he has like total freedom, but he's um, I think he's if there's an annoyance involved at, at having to kind of pick up and go, it's it's more of the, the uncertainty of what's ahead and less the having to scramble or get folks to cover for for his responsibilities sure sure makes sense so the fourth person sitting at the game is uh, a white woman in her early 40s with brown hair and blue eyes uh, she's wearing jeans a cincinnati reds t-shirt and a reds baseball cap she's quite tall anyone looking closely can tell that she's in absolutely peak physical condition uh, this is fbi special agent kimberly trollvane um, who was sunny's handler on uh, on a related case um, and she's the one that is speaking at the moment. 
as the others are, she's really trying to seem like she's just chatting casually to anyone observing the four of them, but her words are very serious. About six months ago, Agent Lau and two other agents discovered some unsettling information about a man named Arthur Hunt, the long-deceased founder of Hunt Electrodynamics. After Agent Lau's experience on that operation, we had our analysts dig a bit deeper into Hunt, and we found something even more worrisome. And Sonny, as, as you're hearing these words, I think you're kind of flashing back to some of the moments during the operation uh, in Hellbend, California, that, that, this, uh, that this is leading from. And also perhaps a therapy session uh, that you had recently with your therapist. And so uh, as part of the game that we're playing in this season, Delta Green, characters get home scenes between operations. And so this is actually Sonny's second operation. And so he actually gets a couple of home scenes in between. And so this is the first one where Sonny is going to to go to care, go to therapy. Um, and so your your therapist is a CIA appointed therapist from some traumatic experiences that you had as part of the CIA, who I imagine you've continued seeing even after the difficult experiences in Hellbend. And so, you know, this is kind of midway through a recent therapy sh therapy session, and your therapist says, Now, Sonny, you've mentioned a couple of times a recent experience you had where you were working, I think, on, on contract with the FBI. Uh, you haven't told me much about it, but it, it sounds like it was, you know, maybe a challenging experience. Do you, do you want to dig into that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, no, no, no problem. Um, I'm not sure what I must have meant by, by challenging, I guess, you know, I, we've talked about this for a while now. It, I've been wanting to get back in the field. It's been a while since I've been back in the field and I think I think that was really just the the most challenging part of it is you know trying to you know get my legs back under me and feel like I I knew knew how to do this. It, it was a pretty pretty simple field op um, standard uh, you know work between the CIA and FBI. They I, I don't I don't know why they why they chose me to to go out there, but uh, you know I was very grateful. And yeah, it was just it it, it was tough after you know the last couple of years of not being in the field. It, it, it was it was tough, you know, remembering, you know, how much I how much I enjoyed that, how much I, I, I got out of those types of cases. You know, that's what I did all those years of training for. Um, but, yeah, the case itself was uh, was nothing, you know, in particularly challenging at all. Did you did you feel like yourself again? Does it does it did it did it feel like like kind of returning back to the old Sonny? A little bit. Yeah. I would say, I mean, I think if anything that I'm, I'm excited to, for, you know, potentially more opportunities like that, uh, just to, to get to have, uh, that feeling again, not to, uh, uh, not, not to feel like the, you know, the, the, the new guy on a, uh, on, on a field operation. That's sort of how I felt this time around just cause it had been so long, but, but yeah, I, as it, as it went on, yeah, it started to feel like myself. I was happy to you know, not be working, staring at my computer screen. Yeah, I guess you could say that, um, yeah, that the, the old Sonny started to uh, started to come out a little bit. Do you think you're going to get other opportunities to do this? Uh, you know, I, I hadn't heard that you were being put back into the field, but, you know, I think that I think that could be good for you. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I don't I don't know why they they chose me for for this operation either. Um, maybe just to to see if I'm I'm ready, potentially. Um I hadn't heard it from anyone um, before either. It kind of came out of the blue. I, I certainly hope that that they'll consider me for for more field operations. Um, 
I think, you know, that like I said, there wasn't too much to take away from this last one. Uh, so I can't say whether or not we were successful. But yeah, I'd certainly I'd certainly like another opportunity if that's if that's a question that's being asked. And, you know, I know this is this is difficult because you want to be back in the field so badly, but it, it I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask. Were there any moments where you felt like the experiences that you had when you were held captive kind of came back to you? Any any concerns about that interfering with with your work or, or, or your capabilities? You know, I, I thought about that before, uh, before I went out, thought that it might be a bit of an issue, but you know, I think, I think once I got there, once I met the people that I was going to be working with, got the, uh, you know, the debrief on, on this specific operation, I kind of, I kind of became, you know, centrally focused on, on the task at hand and what was, well, what, what our, our, our job there was to do. So no, I wouldn't say that there were moments that, that I was, you know, thinking about what had happened before. I think, you know, in a lot of ways, this might help me you know, move past it even more. So to me, that sounds like um, go to therapy, not sharing truthfully. Um, <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that what it sounds like to you? <laughs> you Everything was completely fine. And I don't even know why I was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, unfortunately, yeah, Sonny's made the conscious choice that you know, um, sharing these Delta Green, uh, just the, the Delta Green experience, the knowledge that he's obtained from that case that sharing that with his, you know, CIA mandated therapist yep. Uh, yep. is probably not a great idea, both to, you know, raise any questions about the going ons of Delta Green, but also not to, uh, if there is still any hope of, of him getting back into actual field work with the CIA, that, you know, maybe, uh, crazy ramblings of of hellbent california might not do him any good there that makes sense to me um okay so so the mechanical effects of this um all of these have well so many of them have a cost and a and an effect um so you're, the cost in this case is that you lose one point from any of your non-delta green bonds if I remember correctly, you only have one non-Delta Green bond. Is that correct? Oh, I think no. I only have one bond. Yes, you do. Yes, all. you do. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's your ex-wife, Audrey. So go ahead and drop your score um, with Audrey by one. All righty. Um, but I am going to be nice. And I, I think that your your um, therapist is probably extremely skilled, uh, being that she works <laughs> with CIA <laughs> operatives who have who have had challenges in the field. So I'm going to set her psychotherapy score at 80, and I'm going to roll to see um, how she is able to help you. That is a 71 under 80. I would say that Sonny's, you know, people skills, uh, or what's the what's the the right uh, persuade or per, charisma, per, persuasion, yeah, charisma, what any of those interpersonal, social intelligence, social, yeah, I would say that you know 80 may be correct. It's it's generous <laughs> on your part, but also yeah, Sonny's bringing something to the table there as well. Absolutely. So you actually gain uh, three points of sanity, not just because of that one session, but um, <laughs> just generally your 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 experiences of going to therapy. Is that how therapy works? One I session, was about you to get say, totally. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Go once, you're cured and even better off. Heck yeah. Uh, but there's actually one other thing, and I'm I, I'm admitting up front that I'm breaking the rules um, of the game slightly. Um, oh. But for a very particular purpose, I'd like you to roll me a sanity check, please. All 
Right. But you get those. You you're you're rolling. You're you're rolling against your current sanity. So you get those three points as part of this roll here. Okay. And that's just on the regular D100. Yep. D100 shooting for equal to or below your current sanity. Delightful. We've got a 49 under 63. Okay. No effect then. Oh my lord. <laughs> He's stressful, he's, Eric. He's been through. <laughs> he's been through a lot. I think if we saw he anything has, from has. how Hellman went and the little effect that it had on him, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, lying to his therapist is not going to lose him any sleep at night. Yeah, that's that's true. Mm-hmm. All right, so so shifting back to the baseball game, uh, Special Agent Trelvane continues. After Agent Lau's experience on that operation, we had our analysts dig a bit deeper into Hunt, and we found something even more worrisome. Arthur Hunt is from here. Chester, Ohio. And digging into his history, we found that he seems to have undergone some sort of change just before he founded Hunt Electrodynamics. Once thought to be a good-for-nothing drunk, Hunt returned to town one day and began immediately working on what would become his first three patents, which jump-started his success. And once again, Sunny, I think as she starts to tell you about Arthur Hunt's history, you start to remember all of the research that you've been doing on Arthur Hunt since leaving Hellbend. It's become kind of an obsession for you. And so we're going to do your second home scene, which is you doing research into Arthur Hunt. Um, So this is going to be stay on the case again. And uh, we're also going to, we're going to once again, we're going to reduce a non-Delta Green bond by one. (laughs) What What was I doing? I mean, yeah. Why didn't Duke get a bond? What was I thinking? (laughs) And to be honest, it makes sense. I think it made sense that like I didn't have any CIA work bonds because I was out of the field for so long. And I guess Hellben was my first Delta Green case, so I wouldn't have had any bonds quite yet. But very silly. Rookie, rookie move. Well, and here's the thing. You don't want Delta Green bonds. Having Delta Green bonds are bad um, because they put you at more at risk for severe effects if something bad happens on the case, right? Like, if you have a bond with a fellow agent and that agent dies, you're in way worse trouble than if just a random agent dies. Sonny knows nothing about fellow Delta Green agents dying, so... (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, so I have have that bond. Sorry, shout out to those two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, RIP. I've got that bond at a nine now. Does that sound right? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, I think that sounds right. So another thing that happens when you stay on the case is you gain 1d6 minus 3 sanity, right? So it's actually kind of up in the air based on the die roll, whether you're gaining or losing sanity. So I'm going to roll that for you here now. I rolled a 5. So you actually gain two more points of sanity. So in your mind, Hell. I think you're starting to fig- <laughs> you feel like you're starting to figure some things out. That's rad. Yeah, absolutely. I think obsession with with Arthur Hunt and and Hunt Technologies is or Hunt Electrodynamics is is one way of putting it. But yeah, I do think it's a bit of a okay, healthy obsession is a strong word. But um, a fruitful, fruitful. Yes, he's he's been Sunny has been. It's been giving him some some purpose. It's been giving him uh, you know something to to look forward to. It's getting uh, you know his brain. Uh, his, you know, his CIA trained brain working in ways that it hadn't been in a long time. And yeah, uh, maybe ha- has not become unhealthy quite yet. Sure. sure. Yeah. <laughs> the risk, the risk remains. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so what, what score is higher for you? Um, bureaucracy or computer science? I think I know the answer, but um, bureaucracy or computer science? Uh, bureaucracy. 
Okay, so so Sonny's a Sonny's a library research, researcher. He's not a he's not a digging the the depths of the of the web researcher. Um, and so what is your what is your bureaucracy? Sixty percent. Okay, so I'm supposed to roll this so that it's secret because if you do badly, you might get false information. So let me roll this for you. Okay, so you research into that was so that was so fast. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I couldn't there, even read anything. Was, I was yeah, like watching. There was no eye twitch. There was nothing. <laughs> you are a GM blank stare. Yeah, exactly. So you um, you start looking into Hunt Electrodynamics, and you you think you've been able to over the course of a few months because this has been this has been a few months since the Hellbend operation get a pretty good uh, detailed account of the history of Hunt Electrodynamics. So in 1930, Arthur Hunt launched Hunt, Hunt Electrodynamics in Chester, Ohio. And very quickly patented the Mark One resistor, um, and within within months he had forged lucrative deals to license small components to various electronics firms, including Westinghouse and Consol- and um, and Coned, and started to become national news. Uh, he opened an electrodynamics plant in Chester to produce the Mark One resistor, and the Hunt resistor was a standard electric uh, electronic component in nearly every radio produced from 1933 to 1949. In 1940. He moved to Hellbend, California, and opened a plant there, though the one in Chester remained open as well. Um, as World War II um, started, Hunt Electrodynamics revenues exploded, and the company grew to gargantuan proportions. By 1945, it employed nearly 11,000 workers across the United States. Um, and then, in a move that would prove his genius, he expanded his business into home devices such as washing machines, refrigerators, and freezers, as well as electric ovens. By 1948, Hunt was the second largest producer of such items behind Westinghouse. Uh, in August 1952, um, and this is something that you learned when you were in Hellbend, at the age of 46, Arthur Hunt died in an explosion that demolished the Hellbend plant. His right-hand man, a man, a man named Thompson McAfee, assumed control of the company by purchasing Hunt's privately held stock from his estate at an enormous sum. He renamed the company Hunt Electronics shifted its headquarters to Washington, D.C., and began actively reviving military contracts that had been slipping in recent years. In September 1955, Hunt Electronics became a primary source of electronic components to the U.S. Air Force, uh, and the company's star rose along with the arc of the Cold War, and its revenues and workforce exploded. In 1977, Thompson McAfee handed over the reins to a man named William Lassiter. Lassiter moved Hunt Electronics into the realm of home computing. That was in 1977. In 1990, the move, of course, as with his predecessors, proved sound, and Hunt Electronics became a premier producer of computer equipment and components. And today, Hunt Electronics is still privately held, and William Lassiter is a recluse, much like reports are that both Arthur Hunt and Thompson McAfee were before him. And so after after much research, you've been able to trace out the history of Hunt Electronics, uh, Hunt Electrodynamics slash Hunt Electronics. So we uh, we shift back from there, back to once again Ag- Special Agent Tralvane. Once thought to be a good for nothing drunk, Hunt returned to town one day and began immediately working on what would become his first three patents, which jumpstarted his success. But what is perhaps more strange is that Hunt isn't the only person to have this sort of change. Two other men from this area seem to have experienced something similar. First, a man from Chester named Michael Brown seemed to be leading a relatively normal life as a professor at Ohio University before abruptly returning to Chester, changing his name to Dannon Ignis, and forming what is now known as the New Star Crusade. 
a cult operating just out, outside what? of town at Brown's or now Ignis's farm. Connected to that is a man named Douglas Yale, who some of you may have heard of. He was born in this area and joined up with the New Star Crusade. No one thought much of Douglas Yale until he was kicked out of the cult after an armed confrontation with Ignis and a spree of murders in 2012 and 2013 that earned him the nickname the Ohio River Killer. Do any of you think that you are like particularly up on like true crime or like serial killers or anything like that? Like, do you, do any of your, do you think any of your characters are like you know into that stuff? Oh man, <laughs> I'm just so aware of like how how problematic true crime <laughs> yep. like has yes. become, and then I don't want to be like, yes, I love it, even if it's not me. <sighs> I don't know if Ellie would though. Father Seamus, is he a big podcast listener? I think Seamus is not into the <laughs> podcast Netflix stuff, but I do think he's attentive to like the newspapers. So I think he's he's attentive to like the true part of true crime <laughs> uh, as opposed to like the maybe more salacious aspect. So I, there's a chance he may have like he may be familiar with this. Case. He definitely as someone who as someone who is in Ohio, he definitely would have been he there would have been for for many months in 2012, 2013, there would have been reports about the Ohio River killer in the newspapers. Okay. So he's, he knows, or he's, this rings a bell for him, I guess. Yep. Yep. No true crime fans between Ellie and, and Sunny, I don't, I'm guessing. Ellie definitely listened to the first season of Serial. Like, we're not going to lie. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Who didn't? I mean. That was after all of her friends listened to it and told her she should listen to it. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. The, the cohort group text was just like, Ellie, stop. You have to listen. Shut up. You're in that lab for hours anyway. Just put it on. You're going to be dedicted. <laughs> I, I think was. I think Sonny not being a Ohio native, like he, he wouldn't have like the local knowledge on it. And then whenever it was happening, what the Ohio River, when did you say Douglas Yale became this person? 2012? Uh, 2012? Yeah, he, he, the, the, he was, he was, um, he is. He has since been connected to several ah. murders that happened in 2012 and 2013. So that was three to four years ago in our current yeah, time. Yeah. So I think uh, Sunny on that timeline would have been, you know, deep in Southeast Asia somewhere. Uh, <laughs> sure. Sure. So. Yeah. So he was not. He was not listening to listening to podcasts at that point. Okay. Well then, yeah. No. Let's say then, if if I do, if I do, definitely think that Ellie has dabbled here before, and like if she finds out that someone's doing like a special season about something that's that close to home she would check it out okay okay um then yeah you you probably you like you don't remember all the details yeah. but you feel like you've you've um you've heard of this before too great so special agent Trouvain finishes up three men all living reasonably normal if uneventful lives before undergoing significant shifts in personality and life direction and all who spent time right here in chester now and she kind of drops her voice even lower than it was at this point most of this is confidential but the program has a history with unnatural corruption of geographical locations. And let's just say, the consequences of something like that cropping up again are dire. We need you to look into whatever happened with these men. Look into the town and see if there's any connection, particularly an unnatural one. If you find something, as always, you know you're standing orders. Neutralize it. And then she kind of looks around and says, Do any of you have any questions? I mean, I just want to clarify. You said Michael Brown, Darren, Ignis... Dannon. Um, Dannon. I cannot read my handwriting, but <laughs> that's great. You said he was from, I know he was a professor at Ohio U before this whole cult business. And I'm sorry, I did not catch when the cult started. She doesn't have that information right off the top of her head. Not um, a problem. 
but I mean, you know, within within the past, you know, seven to eight years. Great. So it's not like it happened in like the eighties or something. This is much no, more no, recent. no, 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 M- much more recently than that. Yeah, much Super. more recently okay. than that. What was he a professor of? Um, I believe it was literature or something like that. Oh, it would be a humanities person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it tricks. Okay. What's the current status of the new Star Crusade cult? Is it is it still in existence? Yes, uh, yes, it, it's still operating from um, from Dan and Ignis's farm outside of town here in Chester. Um, and the the new the new Star Crusade started officially in the year two thousand. So it's, it's been operating for you know about sixteen years at this point. And is this on like the FBI's watch list as a as a problematic cult, or is it seen as kind of innocuous? The the FBI has looked into them, um, has run into some some roadblocks in accessing too much of their information, but we don't believe at this point that they're a threat of any sort. As far as you know, are they relatively easily accessible? Like, are there one of those that, like, makes organic butter and stuff? As far as I know, if you go out to the farm, you may be able to, to learn more. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're not, it, you know, as long as you're not coming in heavily armed, I imagine that they would, you know, be willing to be willing okay. to chat with you. Huh. I did not know we had a cult. Homegrown. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions for me? Oh, I'm sure we have some. And we're not going to think about them right now. Yeah, probably should have some. Though, I mean, I think, you know, I think I do think this is one of the sometimes tricky things with Delta Green. But like the handler has been passed the case from someone else yeah. and is passing it on to you to dig into. Right. So like it's not like she has been spending a bunch of time researching this case. Like that's your job. She's Fair. just she's just giving you the the, the high level understanding of what's what's going on here. Um, she does also, she tells you a couple other things um, that uh, may be of assistance to you. So there was a Delta Green team a couple of years ago who looked into the Douglas Yale, the the Ohio River killer case, but didn't find any unnatural connection to it. But they were operating out of Cincinnati. So if you need to or want to, if you, if you feel like it's important, you could try to look them up. Um, she gives you their names. There is also a green box near Cincinnati and a green box in Delta Green is sometimes a storage unit sometimes you know usually a storage unit of some sort where Delta Green agents will leave supplies and other materials that they find on cases for other Delta Green agents to use in the future um this was really big before Delta Green was um back under kind of the official auspices of the government um it was really big when it was kind of a a, a rogue cell but the green boxes are still they're still out there and she gives you the address to where that green box is. It's at a it's at a um, a storage unit facility. Uh, she says that you might find supplies that could be useful there if you want to go check that out. Uh, and that there's probably a key hidden nearby, though she doesn't know for sure. Um, and then the last thing that she really reinforces is that unlike the Hellbend case, Sunny, um, and for all three of you, there's no official investigation that this is a part of. Um, you're not being contracted by the FBI. This is absolutely not on the books. So if you use your own credentials, you have to take your own responsibility for using those credentials, or you have to lie about why you're there. Got it. And is there any um, just it, is there any urgency with this uh, with this investigation of ours? Any sort of like timely uh, needs that Delta Green needs answers? Not especially. Um, you know, the timeline is really how long you feel like you can be away from your your day-to-day mm. before people start asking questions. Though she, I think she will reinforce that she's a little cagey about the specifics of it, but, like, the idea that this might be a corrupted 
place mm. seems to really frighten her more than more than like you know the 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 strange murders in Hellbend or, or any of the any of the other kind of Delta Green work that you've done. The idea of a of a of a corrupted location seems like it's of particular interest and um, is is particularly worrisome for Special Agent Travain. Does she give us any more details on what she means by a corrupted location? Yeah, I'm Would curious. we know what she means by that? You wouldn't. And she like she makes these like vague references to like the program's history. Um, the program being Delta Green, that's what that's what it's referred to um, by agents as. But you know, just a just a a city or a town or a or a um, you know a site or a location that seems to corrupt the people that go there or that spend time there or that live there or that are born there. You know, she she doesn't know, but something like that seems particularly worrisome. Hmm. That makes Seamus um, look out onto the baseball field and and recognize that the mascot is the serpents. <laughs> and, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and he he thinks of a lot of biblical uh, allusions to uh-huh. the serpent as a corrupting force. I did not clock that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really cute serpent mascot. Though. Oh, like, I'm sure. <laughs> well, and you so you actually you you you've now that you pay closer attention to it, the serpent mascot is actually kind of interesting. It's actually like three kind of spiraling serpents that like touch heads or like tongues almost, right? Like it's almost like a little bit of a, like a... Aurorabras? It's kind of turned into like a symbol, if that makes sense. Wow. So not cute. It's not, yeah, it's not like a cute, like smiling snake. I was definitely picturing. <laughs> oh, great. Cute smiling. And now, that, and now that you think about it, you think you saw the same symbol like when you were entering town, like on the Welcome to Chester sign. Three intertwined snakes. That are kissing. <laughs> yeah, kind of. They're like French, French snake kissing. orgies. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That is a hella weird. <laughs> I, that's like not what I would pick for my for my baseball team, <laughs> but that's just me. That's just you. Three, no. three snakes pointing inward, tongue to tongue, undulating out in a bizarre triskelion. Oh my god. I don't like any of those words. <laughs> tongue to tongue. Yeah, what a terrible <laughs> phrase. <laughs> huh. Don't put that into your Google history. <laughs> Three snakes tongue to tongue. How weird. Um, so at that point, um, Special Agent Tralvane kind of raises her voice as if she's like now talking for others to hear her. She says, I'm going to go get a hot dog. Um, I'll, uh, I'll be back. And she walks off and she's definitely not going to be back. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was going to get me a hot dog too. <laughs> it's like 7 p.m. I'm peckish. She leaves the three of you, uh, the three of you sitting at this baseball game. None of you have ever met before. <laughs> Love here small talk. Well, we've got to see how the game ends. <laughs> yeah, what's the score? Fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, the, the serpents are losing. Ah. So everybody's uh, waiting with bated breath for the fireworks. And I'm sorry, the, the stupidest question of all. We so we are in Chester right now. Yes, this is yes. This these is the are the Chester serpents. This Chester is the, serpents. This is, exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just for geographical knowledge, how far from Cincinnati is Chester? I'm yelling this to Agent Trollvane as she's walking away. <laughs> <laughs> how far is Cincinnati? <laughs> um, it's a it's a it's about a three hour drive. That's Xavier is. In Xavier's or around in, Cincinnati, in Cincinnati, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So about three hours. 
Um, and actually, I w- the just to set yourself geographically a little bit, um, Sonny, you probably flew in actually to the Charleston, West Virginia airport because uh, that's actually lives. the closest. Yes, we if if, <laughs> if you listen to our Patreon content, everyone please subscribe <laughs> uh, to, the, the, to the Patreon. In our first Patreon content, uh, Mama, I'm coming home. We had a long discussion about which is the more important Charleston, Charleston, South Carolina, or Charleston, West Virginia. <sighs> How exciting. But uh, yeah, so it's Charleston, West Virginia is about an hour away from Chester. Uh, it's kind of right near the West Virginia border in that kind of southeastern part of Ohio. I definitely knew that West Virginia and Ohio were geographically <laughs> close to each other. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. Oh, yeah. Huh. I am definitely just picturing us all now sitting awkwardly silent at this baseball game. <laughs> totally. Hmm. Just the sound of peanuts cracking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did we, did we at least, did we get introduced whenever the agent was here? I imagine you were introduced. Okay. <laughs> Though actually maybe you, maybe you weren't, maybe honestly. Maybe just started talking. Maybe you weren't. So, uh, yeah, so maybe, maybe that's a good first step. Would, would Ellie take the, take sure. the initiative to introduce herself? Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I guess we might as well say hello now. Um, nice to meet you. Uh, my name's Ellie, Ellie Freeman. Uh, that's a real name. Are we supposed to have code names? No, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Ellie asked that for real. <laughs> oh, she has to. <laughs> like, I, I mean, hi. Do we say our names and a fun fact about ourselves? Uh, Ellie Freeman and I teach genetics, which you could probably have guessed from my shirt. Who are you? It's very nice to meet you, Miss uh, Miss Freeman, Doctor Freeman. Doctor, uh, thank you. Yes, so sorry. I'm, I mean, you I'm can doctor. call me Ellie. It's fine. No, I mean, I, I'm 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 Seamus, Doctor O'Keefe, and uh, I'm also a professor. So uh, hey. it's, it's, it's always a pleasure to to meet another academic. Okay, uh, doesn't often happen at a baseball game. True, but uh, sadly, true. yeah. Uh, I came from from Cincinnati, so I drove the three hours here. Uh, is nice that a, is that Father Seamus? <laughs> it, it's it's I don't, not. I don't think you. I don't think you would have known that actually. <laughs> is, he not, is, any... is he not wearing the thing? I thought nope, you said no, 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 no. collar. I yeah. totally. I thought I heard that earlier. Yeah. So I don't think we know. Yeah, he introduces himself as Dr. Seamus O'Keefe. Cool, okay. Surrounded by two doctors, lovely. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sonny Lau, uh, Agent Sonny Lau, uh, CIA agent. Oh, what's your fun fact? <laughs> you're, uh, you're a characteristically tight-lipped CIA agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah characteristic <laughs> agent. Agent Lau, so uh, Got plenty I of, nothing less. plenty of fun facts. <laughs> Oh God! I'm just flashing through all the traumatic things that we already know about your backstory, totally. <laughs> and Ellie has no idea. Yeah, we oh, definitely fun. didn't flash back with you to your therapy sessions. So. Yeah, you're a total stranger. Exactly. Yeah, I don't need any help or guidance from uh, from either of you. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna skip over the fun fact part. Um, just go straight to asking uh, if this is. Both of your first times on a uh, on an operation. Maybe maybe there's a, a better word to use than operation. No, I, that's I think that's I think that's the terminology. Yeah, okay, operation. Great. I mean, like technically, I've done I've done I've done work before for them. Lovely, but I haven't been able to get out yet. Okay, uh, what about you, Seamus? It's it's the same for me, right, right, Eric? It's the same. Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah. So first first operation. For me so how does how does this stuff normally go agent law Th- thanks for asking <laughs> <laughs> uh it normally, it normally goes great 
no i mean well yeah it usually goes something just like this uh there's there's never a whole lot of information that that delta green tends to give us ha, uh again uh asking more questions before answering any questions how how did how did you both get contacted by delta green or get uh yeah start how did you both start working with them Ellie does not know how to answer that question. <laughs> well, right, yeah, I think that like that could you know you could, maybe you're really open about it. Maybe you absolutely don't want to share that, right? It's it's, yeah. it's up to you. Well, well, I totally uh, understand and share in your curiosity. I'm I'm under the impression we're we're not really at liberty to share that. And while while I while I certainly look forward to to engaging in this operation with you both, I I think it's best for myself that I keep that uh, private. Totally respect that. I mean, I don't know. I saw something really unpleasant and I didn't freak out. So, yay. Go me. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty simple. I don't know. But I mean, it's it's exciting. I'm happy to be here. Hell. Um, I mean, how should we do we? So I guess it's just us now. We got to figure out where we go from here. Got to say, I'm not loving being in this town now. Suddenly (laughs) getting getting a vibe. Should we figure out? What to look into first? Do we have a place in town to stay? God, I don't want to Airbnb it. Also, can I just say that, Emily, I feel like the accent you're doing is so subtle and perfect <laughs> that I'm not even sure that Dan and Nick know that you're doing an accent, but it is it is wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything like five minutes ago. Just if I was like, oh, yeah, we've been on Zoom calls before and I didn't notice this accent. And... <laughs> Sorry. So you asked, you asked the yeah. question about do you have a place to stay? Uh, no. No, uh, you do not at the moment have a place to stay, no. Delta Green, very hospitable. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, always. They they rightfully believe that all of you are very capable people. We don't have like a company on your credit own. card. <laughs> no, no, you do not. Damn. Paper trails. <laughs> Expenses. Cash only. Maybe there's cash in the green box. There could be. Oh, there is a green box. Um. It is in Cincinnati. Damn. It's three hours it's three hours away. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie's so excited she is not thinking straight. Okay. I mean So there's got I think we're all basically gotta be in agreement, right? That like it's not just that you're from Chester. There has gotta be some other factor that we're missing out on here that is in Chester. And that's kinda what we gotta figure out, yeah? That sounds right. Maybe yeah, but I, I I share the the bad vibes that you're picking up. Ellie, I, I uh, notwithstanding my my desire that I wish I was back home in Cincinnati already, <laughs> my frustration. <laughs> I, ever since I I you know drove into town, I just haven't. Uh, it hasn't felt good to me. And I think as you're as you say that, Seamus, all three of you just for a second start to think about all of the interactions that you've had in town and they they didn't seem like much of anything before but now that that now that these seeds have been planted uh. the only thing that i think all three of you are picking up um because i, I actually uh, ellie what's your what's your hume int score oh what an excellent question that i do not know off the top of my head 30 okay so maybe you didn't pick up on this so much especially given where you're from hmm. but i think Seamus and Seamus and um sunny specifically Everybody here is really, really nice. Oh, no. Really nice. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, wow, it's like back home. This is great. (laughs) Chester. (laughs) Yeah, I don't love that. Um, 
Do you mention it? That everyone's really nice? Yeah, like that you've noticed that. I think I would maybe say notice that things seemed off. Mm. Um, I I I have a high human, I think, but I so I, I'm I'm picking do, up yeah. that that folks are off, and I feel like I the the niceness doesn't seem genuine to me, and that's making me uncomfortable. Mm. So I, I share that with you both. Mm. Yeah, I think I would I would go so far as to say maybe we shouldn't be overly trusting of uh, of of anyone we we come into contact with and that we're going to want to keep things, uh, you know, close to the chest on this, uh, investigation. Yeah, that's fair. Well, do you think there's anything we can do tonight or is this kind of one of those everybody sleep on it and hopefully we, we hit it, you know, full force in the morning. It sounds like, you know, you came a long way, Asian Lao. So I, I want to make, I, I'm respectful of, of what it took to get you here. So I, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not thrilled about, spending a lot of time away from from campus or my classes and mm. uh you mentioned ellie that you were a professor yourself so um, yeah it may, it may make the most sense for us to try to maximize our time even though you know we don't seem to have much daylight as the fireworks i imagine are <laughs> soon. boom 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 it provides good cover for the conversation if, if we are looking into a place to you know a sort of home base for, for all of us to have. Is it worth looking into a a place just outside of Chester? That considering the, the spooky feelings mm-hmm. we're getting. Yep. Is there like a La Quinta Inn on the highway or something? Love a La Quinta. Yeah, actually, I've got, actually I've got both best Western points. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> both Ellie and um both Ellie and Seamus, you passed a bunch of like motels yeah. on the highway around as you were coming into town, for sure. Yeah, let's go to wherever somebody has points. You said Best Western? Why not? We don't get a company <laughs> card. Trip's got to pay for itself one way or another. <laughs> um, and so I, I, I think I guess I'm assuming this, but both, um, both Ellie and Seamus drove in. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. What kind? Of, what kind of car do you think you both drive? I think I have a like a 2004 Toyota Corolla. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh huh. Uh huh. Beige. Yes. <laughs> Champagne, please. <laughs> yeah. The Jesuits aren't aren't paying for champagne. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, what about Ellie? Oh, I bet she's got like a little like 2010 Prius. Okay. I like it. That's I like it. That's literally, that's exactly what I was picturing. <laughs> <laughs> like a light blue oh, nice. Prius. <laughs> yep. A hatchback. Hmm. Well, I'd love a ride. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Pity somebody doesn't just drive like a big van. That's okay. Yeah. Let's hope there's not a, a car chase later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Does that normally happen? I mean, I mean, I believe that both the professors probably have uh, university credit cards available <laughs> to you if you needed to purchase anything. Uh, Sunny, you know, if you if you wanted to requisition something from the CIA, you certainly could try. Just keep that in mind as Absolutely. you as you move along here. You you both do, or all three of you do have access to um, professional resources. You you know, somebody yeah. might ask a question or two at some point, but yeah, it feels like tonight's night. Get a little ways out of town and like Google up a storm, right? Like try to actually understand what's in the public domain about any of these guys. Do, and, and and I'm sorry, we we know because we listened to the the meta narrative. But did she indicate that Sunny has spent time researching Hunt? That's I was I was gonna ask. Yeah. No, because I don't think she knows that you that you did. Oh. Um, so I think that's just I think that's just a Sunny thing. That's interesting. 
They they didn't ask Sonny to do that. Sonny did that on yeah. his own. Along those lines, my question more was that that meta narrative that we got from you. That is what Sonny knows those things. Yes, yeah. and, that is and, what Sonny found out. And Ellie and Seamus are uh, aware of the the hunt connection to Chester now because yeah. of that. Correct. Got it. Got it. Um, and so whether you want to share that you've been looking into Arthur Hunt and what you've found is up to you. All right. All right. I mean, my I, I'll say my initial instinct was to share, like once mm. we got back to wherever place we need to go, just to sort of, I, I would say, to get everyone on the same level of either urgency or just awareness for what we should be looking out for. I don't think possibly second guessing that, just wondering... Uh, you know how trustworthy the two of you are, so uh, so maybe we'll maybe we'll hold off for now. But I do think researching more into um, these two other uh, these two other men, Michael Brown and, and Douglas Yale, um, is probably a, a good place to start. Sounds good. So you you're all gonna head to a Best Western on the highway. Yeah, seems like the safest course of action. Get some Sunny, who you riding with? Uh, you know we'll we'll hop in the Corolla. Okay. Love a Corolla. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you know the Corolla and the the Corolla and the Prius start uh, heading out of Chester and zoom mightily down the road. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and out onto the state highway uh, where you think you saw a Best Western as you were coming in. Uh, it's dark at this point, um, and you know especially as you get out onto the state highway, there aren't a lot of lights out there, and. As you're as you're getting close to the Best Western, Seamus, um, you hear your you hear your cell phone start to ring or buzz or whatever setting you have it on. Mm-hmm. I check it. <laughs> it's your sister Aoife. Uh, she's calling. Um, I silence it and send her a text saying, "I can't talk right now. Can I call you back later?" Uh, she calls again. Um, Feel free to take the call. Don't mind me. I, I give her a call. Uh, yeah, so I call her back. Hey, Seamus, uh, where are you? She sounds happy. She doesn't sound she doesn't sound like that. There's something wrong. All right. Hi, Aoife. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm in a I'm in a small town right now. I'm I, I'm doing some. I had to visit a a sick uh, a sick person and, and give them uh, a blessing. Uh, you know, normal normal priest stuff. But um, so I can't really talk right now. But uh, is everything all right? Yeah, everything's fine. What what town? Oh, I you know, I all I have is the address, um, Aoife. I, I I couldn't really tell you the 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 town. I that's less important, I think. <laughs> well, I'm standing outside your room right now. I I came to visit. I'm now I'm annoyed that I didn't call before, but I wanted to surprise you. Oh, that's that's so kind. I oh my gosh, I wish I knew you were coming. I, but I I yeah, I got this call and and. Uh, it was urgent, uh, you know, giving giving somebody the last rites. So, um, so I had to dash. Tell me, tell me where you are. I'll I'll, I'll come meet you. Eva's pushy. <laughs> she's plucky, but she's pushy. <laughs> I don't feel like I can say. Or is that Dan talking, or is that Seamus talking? It's Dan talking. I, I, okay. I, 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 the 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 secrecy of this is is paramount, right? I have to. I can't really divulge what I'm doing anyone you definitely can't divulge what you're doing you could try to manage you could try to manage the situation with her around or or, you know but you definitely can't tell her what you're up to now yeah well so i'm I'm Seamus again i'd say (laughs) as much as i'd like to to see you tonight i i think you know this 
this person, this this patient, they're they're gonna need a lot from me tonight, and, and me to spend some time with the family. I think they're they're in their final hours, and so I I, I don't know if it's it's gonna make the most sense for us to connect tonight. But if you if you wanna, you could you could stay at my place in in Cincinnati at Xavier, and and we can we can try to connect tomorrow, so long as everything goes well. Are you you're gonna be you're gonna be back tomorrow? I hope that I will, but you know, it's, and she, she just, go. she just cuts you off as you're, as you're kind of like stumbling through that. And she's like, Oh, I never mind. I have your location. I'll just, I'll come. And she hangs up. <laughs> Eva. Damn it. <laughs> and that is where we are going to end our story for now. Sisters. Oh man. Cushy. This is a stupid question. This is a sister and not a sister. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Not stupid at all. Uh, this is a biological sister. <laughs> she is my blood. She's fair. my younger blood sister. <laughs> totally Good fair to question. Right. <laughs> this podcast was published by arrangement with the Delta Green Partnership. The intellectual property known as Delta Green is a trademark and copyright owned by the Delta Green Partnership, who has licensed its use here. The scenario future perfect is copyright Dennis Detwiller. And the contents of this podcast are copyright Nature of My Game podcast, accepting those elements that are the components of the Delta Green intellectual property. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at NOMGpodcast.com.